Hello. Welcome to season four. Mm-hmm. Last season of the, wait, maybe not the last season of the year. I think last season of the year, but maybe not because we might have one more in the fall, but I guess we'll see. You'd think there'd be four seasons in a year, but anyways. Yeah. <laughs> last season for a bit. Yeah. Went by quickly. Mm-hmm. I flew by. I can't believe we're on season four already. That's wild to me. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm excited. And, you know, we're again talking about storytelling because that's what we love to talk about. And in this specific episode, how we can find stories everywhere, mm -hmm. like literally everywhere. Yeah. And I guess the kind of question too is like, can we find stories everywhere? And that's just kind of what we're going to be exploring throughout our different episodes um, and maybe highlighting some things that listeners might not have considered to be stories or a form of storytelling so I'm excited to to share that and there'll be some different episodes the season different structure to the episodes the, um, that we'll share later but mm -hmm. yeah I guess getting into kind of if we're going to talk about whether or not we can find stories everywhere we kind of need to talk about what stories even really are um, and like what kind of constitutes a story and I think that's something that's definitely up for debate because different cultures and communities are going to have their own definition of what a story is. But in doing some research, just kind of like the baseline general definition of a story is a story or narrative that's connected um, by a series of events. And it's told by either using words imagery, body language, performance, music, or other form of communication. And other form of communication is kind of that that point in the definition that makes it a little bit more broad so that it can be defined uniquely by different communities. I'm thinking even by like the deaf community who's going to use sign language to tell their stories. Like that's uh, language um, and body language, but maybe in a defined differently than um, by this like you know very general definition it's interesting that you say that because that brings me back to the super bowl like way back at the beginning of the year when miata performed and there was um a asl interpreter who popped off on social media because she was just so energetic and she was signing but she was also like signing and her body movements were like projecting what the like vibe of the music was and you know yes. Rihanna's performance was like a bunch of her songs mixed together and every single time it changed her body language would change and I just found that so amazing and fascinating um and so it is like a good, a good point to say that like, again like that is also a form of story storytelling and showing visually you know the the change of pace and tone in a performance um and then also speaking about the Super Bowl when I was thinking about this episode too it's like I really truly believe that stories are everywhere. Cause I was thinking about commercials, like how commercials for the mm -hmm. Super Bowl are super popular and everyone talks about them and people watch them either if you watch the live Super Bowl, but there's a lot of people that like literally go on YouTube to watch Super Bowl commercials. Um, yeah. And there was a one called, um, one by a brand called, I think the farmer's dog. And that commercial had me bawling because it basically from front start to finish, it's like a young girl gets a puppy and it's like the lifeline and through the puppy's perspective, of their life together. And it just like goes from her growing up to going to college to getting married and she's pregnant with her baby and the, and the dog's getting older through that. And like, it had me like bawling my eyes out for like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> not even the three minute commercial. So it's interesting how it doesn't even have to be like a whole movie 
um, or, you mm-hmm. know, a whole TV series. It can literally be like a small commercial that can like play to your heartstrings and your emotions. Yeah. And that just kind of, I think the underlying or the undertones of that commercial is even pretending that that's real life. It tells us that there's stories in our day-to-day life, like in our relationships, in um, the things that we experience, like we're not just experiencing stories through media and pop culture and the things that we consume. So it's very cool, and very interesting. Um, also kind of did a little bit of research on what structures of stories are to kind of help people know how to find stories in other mediums. And typically a story has an exposition, a rising climb and a rising action, climax, falling action and conclusion. And honestly, you see these through dance like that was one of the um actually they didn't have dance in the traditional definition I guess it says body language and performance which dance would fall under that but if you're thinking about a ballet or you know modern dance or anything like that like they're fully telling a story there is a rising action there's a climax of the story there is a conclusion and Typically, there's no words. There isn't even singing sometimes. It's just music with no uh, words in it. And you're just getting this full story just from the expression and movement of someone's body, which is very cool. Yeah. And I think that people sometimes don't realize that your emotional reaction to performances like that are to the story and to those feelings. And, you know, a lot of times when you see things like that, where it's an experience that generally a lot of people can um, understand or have been through it, it gives you a visceral reaction. Um, and so it explains a lot of of like, why, like, I don't know, I've been in a concert and I feel like emotional about it. And like, it's not even just a performance, but it's like being in a crowd with a bunch of people who are all singing the same lyrics at the same time with the same energy and like Mm -hmm. that feeling too. And everyone's like connection to the performance in the moment, like that is also storytelling. And I mean, I'm not a Swifty, but I mean, Taylor Swift has insane amounts of fans and a very, very, very loyal fan base. Same mm-hmm. with Beyonce. They're both on tour right now. And like, look at how crazy it was to get tickets for either one of those tours. Like, you know what I mean? Just to see the storytelling. And I'm seeing imagery from Beyonce's performance on her Renaissance tour um, out of the out of Europe right now. And it's like, you know, she's not just on the stage singing, like she has props and she has costume changes. And again, like, again, you wouldn't think that, but costume is a big part of the storytelling, especially when it's coming to performance like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Or like what you said, like the ballet, for example, when there's no actual talking, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, there's no words. You have other elements that help bring it together. Um, And so, I mean, I just love it all because I'm a visual human and I love looking at beautiful things and just seeing the way people, like people's creativity. Um, I saw a picture of her like levitating in the air on a horse, I think, uh, this is Beyonce. And I was like, well, goddamn, that's amazing. And like, even like, um, even Rihanna's performance at the Super Bowl, like it was very specific, yes. I think very intentional, the costumes, all the, the backup dancers were in the same outfits, if not the exact same, but it was very like all, they were all in white and then she was in red. And like, you know what I mean? Like that, that was intentional. Obviously she's the center of attention, but even the way they like levitated over the the field and this woman was pregnant. Totally when she did that which I, I know and apparently she's scared of heights so that is wild to me um like that all I could helped, never right it all helped with the visual and like putting the performance together and telling a story and you know there's thought through everything right like there's thought through like the set of an album when someone's releasing an album there's thought through what you play at your concert and all of it is because it's like what are we trying to tell what are we trying to portray and give our audience so 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it all comes down to stories in my humble opinion. (laughs) For sure. And it's, it's the way they curate their albums as well. Like the order that songs are in are telling a story. And sometimes artists will um, jumble up the order that they play their albums and songs and concerts. But even that is very strategic Um, in a way, you know, they're trying to intentionally tell a story and, one of the best concerts I went to actually was Lady Gaga. I went to the Monster Ball tour years ago when I was like 21. This like honestly, I guess like wow, was that like 12 years ago now? That's really insane. <laughs> 11 or 12 years ago, I guess. 10, yeah, 11, 12 years ago. And Lady Gaga is great. Like her, her music is not for everybody, but her in in real life, her voice is beautiful. Like she's an amazing singer, and she is a true storyteller. Like the sets, I think she was one of kind of the first. You know what? I'm not going to say that because there are a lot of artists who do crazy sets and everything. But I feel like after her monster ball, monster ball tour, I feel like artist sets just got crazier and crazier. Like she was one of the first concerts I ever went to where there was giant installations and things hanging from the ceiling and like sets opening up, turning into other sets and like different backdrops and things coming in and like video being used in it. And I don't know, like her her storytelling is on another level. Totally. And it's all about part of the experience, right? Like, I think it's amazing when an artist and the people come together behind the scenes to create a whole experience. And it's kind of what like, you're going to talk about later this season with, you know, your event planning, right? Because it's a similar thing of like thinking about so many aspects that people don't think about. Now we've given away the episodes, but that's okay. Just one, yeah. But it's still, it's, but it fast. The, the idea fascinates me because it's like so insane. Like when you think about the like large scale of like a concert like that, like mm-hmm. like I'm just picturing Beyonce at I don't even know what the arena is. It's the big one downtown, and just like I can't even imagine like the scale of that. And then also like the show like, and like Lady Gaga, like it's not like they do it once. Like they have to go on tour, so they have to have this like set up and done you know, in multiple cities and it's like, you know, back to back. And I I just can't even fathom that the work that is put into all those aspects. Like it just, I I want to lie down thinking about it. Honestly, it's so overwhelming. Yeah. It's a lot. And I think when people think about, I guess, just getting back to kind of the theme of the episode, when people think about stories, I guess the first thing that comes to your mind is like a literal story, like a storybook. And and then maybe you think about movies, but I don't think people often think about dance and performance and maybe people think about music to some degree, but I don't think people think about it at this high, high of a level that stories mm-hmm. are can be found literally anywhere and that people spend so much time crafting tours and the order of the tour and the order of their songs and even with dance like every small little intricate movement is thought through like the way that you flex your foot the way that your hand is pointing which direction you're entering on and off of stage timed specifically to music to create a certain kind of impact like Mm -hmm. all of these are really intense forms of storytelling that I think our brains work. I think both of our brains work that way to some degree, but like it would be very challenging to be a composer or to be a a choreographer or to be like a set designer and be able to think through stories in a way that most people's brains aren't really considering. 
So even the lighting too, like if you think about like a spotlight versus like a whole stage being like lit up, like mm -hmm. there's just so many elements that people don't realize there's someone behind the scenes or there's multiple people behind the scenes who are doing that and have to have it on yeah. time and on cue. And that's why if you like look up from above a stage, sometimes you'll see like taped or like markers because like I used to be in dance and it's like, okay, your marker's here. You have to get here. And then like for the lighting person's like once that person gets there, this light changes to spotlight them or whatever it is. And it's yeah. a lot of like small moving parts. This episode is sponsored by the Shaping the Narrative newsletter created by Cove Collective. Shaping the Narrative is a newsletter for readers, storytellers, and creatives. In this community, we have thoughtful conversations about stories and the creators behind them all through the lens of women of color. If you're interested in exploring books, film, podcasts, and all things pop culture, this space is for you. Join our free monthly newsletter or upgrade to the paid level for exclusive content such as author interviews, personal essays, exclusive podcast episodes, and more. Head to covecollective.substack.com or click the link in our show notes. It really is. <laughs> it truly is. And then I'm just thinking about my partner, Luca, who works in film and he's working on a feature film right now, one of the like, biggest films he's worked on. And it's like a really intense storytelling process. Like they storyboard things. And this is a documentary. Like you would think that a documentary isn't as like planned and thought out. Like at least that's in my mind, I thought, oh, documentary, you're like learning things in the moment and you're, you know, like finding the story, but no, it's like fully methodically planned out. They're storyboarding things. And then, they're spending hours and hours and hours in the editing room, like finding out like which way to tell the story and like what interviews to put in what order. And it's a very grueling process. Yeah. Also, I will say kudos to the people who like have me on my phone with the Shazam app being like, what song is this? What song is this during a TV show? Like, I love <laughs> doing that. Like there's people who like on the, like, like you said, like with Lucas process, like there's like, there's the people filming it and there's the people in the editing room on the other end once it's filmed and like putting it together. And then like, how does this like, when, how do we go from one scene to the next? What's, like, how do we edit this together? Is there music? What is that? Like there's someone whose job that is. And I mm -hmm. think that's so awesome. Um, and I'm always the person on the other end. Cause like, I'm a, I'm a music person, but I, I don't know. I'm like, always like, like, what song is this? Like building playlists. Cause I love it. And yeah. again, it's like, what, what kind of tone are you setting and what kind of feeling do you want the audience to have when they're watching the scene? And that dictates what you're doing for, you know, music. And I'm obsessed with music and the way it plays. Yeah. Like I, in my head, I'm like, oh, if my, if my life was a movie, what playlist would be playing? Cause I'm always listening to something. Music in movies is very interesting because it's a, like, there is one person whose specific job it is to source music for films and to get the music licensing. And it's a very difficult and long process because it costs a lot of money. And some songs you're paying 10, 20, $30,000 just for five to 10 seconds of like music licensing rights. So if you're thinking about big shows that play popular today's music like they probably have multi-million dollar budgets to play those songs in their in their shows and in their films which is just really wild to think about one very like visceral experience with music in the last year for me was watching the white lotus 
And then it mm-hmm. randomly, the intro songs, the first season came on at the gym the other day. And I was like, this is not it. Like, it's very creepy. I was like, this feels like <laughs> someone's about to come in here and like murder us all. Please change this song. This is not the vibe. <laughs> um, but that song and that music was so bizarre. And, but it fits the show so well. And it's true. Like, I, I and it's funny because it's like, like you said that there's it's someone's job to like figure that out. I'm like, who, I was like, who thought of this? Literally, who thought of this music? I had never heard this before. It's not like it's a popular song or by a popular art- artist that like, you know, everyone knows. So it's just, it's wild to me that it's someone's job and like that person nailed it. Mm-hmm. So just not yeah. for the gym. Absolutely not. I haven't, I haven't watched that show. Uh, and then there's also elements to a story. So stories typically have things like characters, plots, settings, themes, point of views, conflict, and tone. This is all pulled from Google. Anyone could look up these definitions. And yeah, I find that interesting too, because even if you apply this to your actual life, our life, our, our lives are stories. Like we are the main character of our own life. We have other characters in our lives. Our lives have plots. They have settings where we live, um, what we do. There's like a general theme. There's a point of view. Like you can apply these things to literally everything. And I guess applying it to our life would be the reason why something like documentaries exist because we and memoirs because we are interested in the stories of people's personally lives as personal lives as well which I find interesting and I know that we both kind of like memoirs um we're both memoir people and um nonfiction people and fiction people but I love a good memoir I love learning about people's lives I love uh documentaries on really interesting topics and it's because yeah, we're interested in stories, not just in fictional stories, but in stories that feel personal and stories that we feel like we can relate to or directly translate to our own lives. And I just find that really interesting and diving deeper into the concepts of stories. Like you really can see that there are stories and basically anything and everything. And we can apply these concepts and elements and principles of storytelling to every aspect of our lives, not just what we consume, but also what we produce and what we experience. And yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah, I find memoirs fascinating just because like when you're living your own life, you really like can only control so much. And so like like you said, like a fictional story, I know there's a beginning, a middle and an end. I know what all of that is. I know there's a conclusion and I'm type A. I want to know the conclusion. So with my life, I try and control things, but you can't control everything, right? So you don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where I'm going to be in five years, 10 years. And so reading a memoir is always fascinating to see someone like reflect on their life and look back and see the lessons they learned and like the trials and tribulations they went through and things that you can kind of relate to. Um, and yeah, I love, I love seeing that. I love seeing people reflect back. And then also just seeing that, like, you know, we all are kind of going through our own individual experiences, like you said, in our own individual lives. And the fact that we're different is not a problem. It's also really great. And like you said, like there's other people in your life. So like you can learn from those around you. Um, and it's also nice to like kind of reflect back. I think the idea of a memoir and looking back on one's life is very, very fascinating to me. And Yeah. I'm also noticing like, like reading people's business. So (laughs) yeah, same. If it's, if it's somebody I'm intrigued by for sure. Yeah. This is like, I don't know. It's a very cool concept. It's very cool. Like the concept of storytelling is a very interesting thing to me. I mean, obviously that's why we have this podcast and why we have our, our Substack account, but I'm, yeah, I'm curious to know what other people think about this and if there's other forms of storytelling that maybe we haven't discussed or that we haven't Mm -hmm thought of in this episode I would love to know um, what other people consider to be a story and 
if you found this episode interesting at all, feel free to DM us and also follow us on Instagram and Substack. We're shaping the narrative basically anywhere and on all platforms. You could also search Cove Collective um, because you might be able to find us through Google SEO with that still as well. Yeah. And also tell us if there's anything that we spoke about that you never considered to be a version of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Hit us up, slide into our DMs. <laughs> Bye. Bye.